This week, Red Button gives over its time slot to 10 years, 10 songs, 1962 to 1971. And this edition features Wivenhoe's own Martin Newell. Now, are you sitting comfortably? Good. Then we'll begin. A life marked out with music. Ten years at a time, one song per year. A song that reminds you of that year. We are not trying to retrospectively make ourselves seem clever or musically sophisticated by backdating things that we discovered later in life. Picking tracks that are not necessarily our favourite music by our favourite bands, but that instead provide a kind of a map of our lives. Ten years at a time. This is Martin Newell, and the years which I've chosen are 62 to 71 inclusive, during which time I was 8 to 18. And uh, not only that, my father was uh, in the army. We moved around a lot. So roughly for every one of those 10 years, we, we moved once to all manner of different locations. So I, it's not so much that it just happened to be mostly in the 60s, but the 60s was, for me, a good time for music. And so rather than go straight to my teenage years or my 20s, I thought I'd do that, that whole transition from, you know, being eight in Scotland I think it was yeah in Dundee Scotland I moved around a lot of schools and I left school when I was 15 because I'd had enough and I was kind of late diagnosed uh, Asperger's so that, um, as well and, and dyspraxic we knew I was dyspraxic because I was always knocking things over in those days uh, they didn't tend to say oh we, we must help you or make you come to terms with that. they just used to shout, shout at you and hit you so uh, I did kind of bury myself in music and books and this I guess is why I'm like I am now and I'm not bothered. I think it's uh, just a condition. It's made me able to concentrate more, especially on keeping my life. So the first track was Carol King. It might as well rain until September. I think even at eight, I realised this was really, really good. We didn't have a record player. Um, we had a radio, but it was on all the time. And my mum, who was very musical, always had this thing on in the kitchen. So, you know, we were able to discuss things from quite a, a young age. But it's got great lyrics. I mean, there's a prescient talent there with, with Carol King. I think she must have been about 16 when she did this. And it's got the whole thing very mature. And you get to the middle eight bars, uh, which for non-musical people is, is the bit that isn't the chorus and isn't the verse. And uh, she suddenly does a load of what sound like high school musical scales. Then she goes. I don't know if anyone else has noticed that. All I do know is it's it's got that not quite Elvis. You know what do I call that period? Half past Elvis and quarter to Beatles. That was the time culturally. So this is Carol King with it. Might as well rain until September. What should I write? What can I say? How can I tell you how much I miss you? The weather here has been as nice as it can be. Although it doesn't really Look forward to 
This is my second track and it's called the beetroot song and it's by lance percival now <laughs> I, I just thought if we ever had a had a band I'd, I'd we should have a guitarist called lance merciful really but that didn't happen yet and i'm not even going to tell you what the name we thought of for the singer uh, I, I don't think we can do on the radio but uh, this is martin Newell with 10 songs for 10 years and it covers my eighth year to my 18th year which i thought might prove interesting since i'm very musically oriented and uh this is the beetroot song is actually really funny it's brilliantly uh, written by um, mitch murray who was a professional songwriter probably still is do you hear that i think that's a dog yeah i like that i like when real life creeps into the into the radio i just leave it there usually okay the beetroot song if you like beetroot i'll be true to you it has endless puns in it mitch murray is a congenital Punner. I don't know if you know some of his other records. He did the one that ends up with Down Came the Rain. And he also wrote songs for Jerry and the Pacemakers. And, you know, he, he wrote number ones. He was a really good, slick songwriter. And he's still around. He's still alive. And, uh, you know, if I ever met him, I'd shake his hand and buy him a pint and ask him to buy me one. Um, you do not get comedy songs anymore. Not only do you not get comedy songs of this quality, musicians seem to think that everything's got to be really serious i still muck about with comedy songs i still i put sheep noises i don't think I've, I've made a lot of lps and i don't think i've made a single lp that hasn't got some sheep noises on it or something really stupid because i just think we we need to laugh i was brought up on comedy records charlie drake and benny hill and uh, you know the early 60s was full of these things even anthony newley which i i very nearly chose what's that noise uh, people take themselves too seriously and because they dare not venture into parody or trying out other other song forms and mucking them up dismally they they never really i don't th think you can stumble across uh, inspiration for great songs unless you're prepared to muck about in the studio i encourage it in fact there's a car going past now but I, I just encourage when anyone I'm recording to say yeah let's, let's do some stupid noises it's it relieves the tedium of, of, of recording when you're trying to get things right and um, anyway this is Lance Percival with the Beetroot song my good old uncle Russell shouts for Brussels sprouts and my dear old auntie chokes on naughty jokes yeah, the whole darn shower like their cauliflower too And if you like beetroot, I'll be true to you and My cousin Gladys is a guzzling a radish, is a henny time Dad will spend his money on a nanny and Oh, all our number like their fresh cucumber too And if you like beetroot, I'll be true to you my sister Jean's always eating beans, my little brother leeks. I just saw my like a piece of garlic, everybody duck when she speaks. I'll take you home to show tomato, come with me. It's corny, but it's nice when they throw rice. Whoa, yes, let us get us to the church by half past two. And if you like beetroot, I'll be true to you. And my sister Jean's always eating beans, my little brother leeks. I just saw my lick a piece of garlic, everybody that when she speaks. Cool, Grandpa goes out with his sparrow just to buy ha, 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 some marrow with green peas for all our teas, and they're horrible. We even feed the parrots on chopped carrots, that's true. But if you like me too, I'll be too to you, so go, man, go.
you home to Shetamita. Come with me, come with me, my dear. It's corny, but it's nice when they throw rice. Oh, yes, let us get us through the church by half past two. And if you like beetroot, I'll be true to you. Russell shouts for Brussels sprouts. Auntie jokes for Auntie jokes. A cousin Gladys is a Catalina radish. She's a sister Jean's always eating beans. And if you like beetroot, I'll be true to you. By a ten, I was in Chester. I was about halfway through my 10th year, I guess, when it was announced that my dad was being posted to Singapore. He'd got a commission as an officer. I never quite knew what he was doing, actually, but he, like I said earlier on, he was a full-time soldier. So the kind of things that, that I clung to were music. So music was this important to me. And it wasn't always what you think, although I could remember 1964, which is our third year and um, third track, with any number of Beatles songs actually the one I remembered most fondly because uh, we were going a long way away was um, Leave Me Be by The Zombies and it's a pretty obscure track it was the follow up single to She's Not There which was a massive sophisticated hit for these um, five St Albans boys who I remember reading a review of the, of the zombies by some rather precious NME reviewer that said, I never liked the zombies because they all wore glasses and played chess. This was based on one EP where some, you know, staff photographer, probably EMI or someone, had, had got them posed round a round a chessboard. And they made just probably one of the best pop records ever, the best pop albums. They made Odyssey and Oracle in 1968 and promptly split up because they'd had to use some of their own money to finish it. It was, it was just file under standard music business cock-ups, the kind which I've experienced a few of myself. Leave Me Be is a small two-and-a-half-minute slice of melancholia, and melancholy it was because at the end of the autumn of 64, just getting towards bonfire night, uh, we packed up, and when we packed up at what my mum called marching out time, which means packing up all my toys, most of my books, and a couple of bags, and we got on a plane, in this case, a Bristol Britannia for prop, um, which took bloody ages to get to Singapore. I was air sick somewhere past Rangoon, I think. We did stop in Burma. It, was, it wasn't called Myanmar then, it was called Rang, um, Burma. The tune that I most remembered, and I had to remember tunes because we didn't have the internet, we couldn't just go bit, bit, bit and summon things up. We didn't have a record player, so I remember this tune, Leave Me Be, just a, a, a nice autumnal melancholy track by the zombies who didn't even have a hit with it but they did have a bit of airplay so this is what I went off to Singapore with uh, with these sounds ringing in my ears If it seems that I'm too quiet That's cause I'm missing her My mind tells me I have to fight but I can't help missing her You better leave me alone You better leave me alone Until I can think about her Without feeling sorry for myself You better leave me be Till I don't need her anymore I don't wanna meet her again until I'm sure I'm over Got myself feeling tired and wanting It's not like I thought it would be Love just cannot end at parting My world's dropped from under me You better leave me alone You better leave me alone Until I can think about her Without feeling sorry for myself You'd better leave me be Till I don't need her anymore I don't want to meet her again Until I'm sure I'm over her
So it's now track four, ten tracks, ten years, and Martin Newell, pop musician, pop poet, writer. I'm in Singapore, age 12, so I'm, I'm still going to be there for about a year. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy the place. Look, it was great. I even learned a bit of Malay. I sometimes didn't uh, enjoy my fellow army kids. It was, a, it was a big school. We went to school six mornings a week, so we, we only got Sunday off, but we did sort of start at about 8 o'clock and we were out of the joint by about 1 o'clock. So, we, we, you know, it was swings and roundabouts. We were all pop mad, but we didn't get access to pop. And I knew by this time, even though I'd left black and white England, that uh, this pop revolution was going on in England. They were busy having the second party after the Second War, basically. And we knew things were um, were really good. And we just kind of, all of us, I think all of all of those British kids were a little bit homesick because you know hard days night and we knew something great going on but here we are stuck in Singapore short back and sides round toed shoes no choice of what we wear no, no growing your hair or anything like that nice suntans fine nice weather great but um, there was the army camp I think it was called the AKC because in, in the army the ACC is the army catering corps so for some reason the people in, in charge of showing films were the AKC and I went to see a film called The Ipcrest File for those of you unfamiliar with it it was a thriller novel written by Len Dayton a Cockney and and the hero of this film was Michael Caine uh, it, uh, the character was called Harry Palmer he was the antithesis of James Bond and apparently according to someone I met who, who'd known Len Dayton said de deliberately so he deliberately didn't want a glossy James Bond character he thought it was too much so there was this somewhat uh, not exactly seedy but let's just say he was a bit of a funky former British army sergeant bit cocky bit of a lad Clark Kent spectacles nothing like James Bond which is where we're coming to our fourth record. This is the theme for the Ipcrest file, and it's by John Barry, who is an amazing composer. You know, this track is almost like burgles you. <laughs> it kind of sneaks in. It's absolutely, it's perfect. But what it features, uh, John Barry was, was very fond of using different instruments that you wouldn't expect. And this one was called a cymbalum. I thought it must be a kind of electric guitar put through a sound effect, but actually it was it was a Hungarian in instrument, a, a massive great zither played with, with double-headed beaters at an incredibly fast speed and very skillfully. And it's an incredible and very, very spooky sound like that you would get in once you move about anywhere further than former Yugoslavia, past about Slovenia, I would say, you're getting into a different type of folk music altogether. And it's get, it's beginning to, it's beginning to get the Eastern scales in there and all sorts of other alien stuff. If I'd gone into a record shop and said, I need the, the soundtrack for the Epcrest file, I very much doubt whether I'd have got it. And so this, the tune locked in there until one day, about five years later when I was in England, the film came up again on television and I found out that it was called the Epcrest file. The theme was by John Barry, who was brilliant. And I just thought, this is it. So this was 1965. This was my 1965 track four of Martin Newell's 10 tracks in 10 years.
Okay, we're back again. You're back with me. You're back in the room. You're back in the room. <laughs> Martin Newell, Con Radio, 106.6 FM. And this is 10 tracks in 10 years. So this one is 1966 and it's autumn. Now, I was in Singapore last time you heard from me, but for some reason my dad got moved up country, as they like to call it, to the jungle highlands of Malaya. My mum went with him. Uh, we didn't there were there was just schooling problems the logistics of it so we got sent home my brother to Buckinghamshire to stay with my dad's brother me to Harbinen in Hertfordshire to stay with my mum's um, parents who I really like those you know my granddad was an old bus driver they let me stay up a bit later they, they were just kind of you know kids often get on with their grandparents better there were great books to read it was England England was in the time I'd been away England from I went away in November 1964 I came back in April May 66 and England had if not turned day glow it had gone up into colour it was the difference between monochrome's kitchen sink drama films and something that had gone into Eastman colour I see the, the neighbours playing around downstairs now that happens and uh you know there seemed to be brilliant songs every five minutes there was the Hollies bus stop and Pretty Flamingo I had the decades of a job taking a track from the whole of 1966 into this I'm 13 years old I've come back to England I've got this new freedom I can even have my hair a few weeks longer at least instead of you know a couple of minutes shorter and um the music was so great I, you know every five minutes a, a new brilliant track coming out just I couldn't I couldn't get over how good good the pop had gone. Meanwhile, that autumn, the autumn came round, and I'd forgotten about the English autumn. I'd left in the autumn. I think it's probably my favourite season. Now, there were two great tracks that I remember uh, from that year uh, in the autumn that remind, that bring back the autumn of 1966 to me. One of them is Herman's Hermit's uh, No Milk Today, which was written by Graham Goldman, another one of my favourite songwriters. But over that... I had to choose uh, Georgie Fame's version of Bobby Hebb's immortal track, Sunny. I didn't know of Bobby Hebb's version of it then, but Georgie Fame's version was, it just, it was kind of misty. It was, Sunny is a great track. Bobby Hebb wrote it about his, his brother, who I think had been killed in some kind of a fight. Georgie Fame brought something, something else to it. And, and I think was just on the edge of jazz then, because, I kind of t took a liking to jazz quite young. This was the beginning of those chords. I'm thinking, what are those chords? Those are not chords the Beatles use or, or not chords that the Hollies use. There's, there was something about those chords that just um, uh, chimed with me, really. Um, my manager, who knows a lot about um, musicians, said most musicians of your age, Martin, will, as they get older, default to another form like blues or sometimes soul or, f or, or, or folk but there are a small proportion of you go towards jazz and you are one of them and it's absolutely true I just always a bit of a closet jazzer in me not that I'm good enough to play it but um, it influences how I write uh, music as well from the from the chords and I don't even know what they're called because I'm musically literate but I can do them I can sit down at the piano and think yeah if you don't listen to me too long <laughs> you're going to think I'm a jazz musician they do, it doesn't happen to every song I do but the Georgie Fame song was the kind of gateway drug to that and there was something else about Georgie Fame he has this really amazing voice you know it was a very fluid and, and and cool England that 13-year-old Martin Newell came home to in 1966. And and um, I think Georgie Fame is, this record, Sonny, is one of the things that brings it back to me most strongly. Sonny, well, yesterday my life was filled with rain. Sunny, you smile at me and really ease the pain. All oh, the dark days are done, the bright days are here. My sun and one shine so sincere. Sunny, one so true. I love you. 
sunny Thank you for the love you brought my way You give to me your all and all Now I feel ten feet tall For sunny once or two I love you Cause my life was torn Like windblown sand Then a rock formed When we held hands The sunny one so true I love you So around comes 1967 and I'm now 14 and I'm in Harpin in Hertfordshire. I'm still living with my granddad and round about early May time. Uh, I just remember one chart. I th some people say 1967 was the best year for British pop ever. It starts off with uh, Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields as a back-to-back -back double A side, which believe it or not was kept off the charts for six weeks by Engelbert Humperdinck. So trust me, the public have cloth ears. We have a cloth-eared British public. That was just what happened. <laughs> I remember seeing one Top of the Pops, and on this one issue of Top of the Pops, there was Jimi Hendrix's um, When Cries Mary, The Who's Pictures of Lily as a debut, and also as a debut, Waterloo Sunset by The Kinks, which some people think is the best English pop song ever written. I mean, never mind All You Need Is Love or Penny Lane or any of that. They were all great, right? But there's something about Waterloo Sunset which just sums up England in the 1960s. I was 14 years old. It comes back to me now. It's one of those songs you're walking past the radio and you just hear that and you stop saying, no, hang on a minute, I'm going to stop whatever I'm going to listen to that. I've never got fed up with it. I used to do Loose Ends back in the 90s with, with when it was hosted by Ned, Ned Sherin. And I met all sorts of people there. And it wasn't until, I'd done it about seven or eight times, and... I discovered that Ned Sherin's favourite song was also Waterloo Sunset. It might not be my favourite song, but it's my favourite song of that year and possibly of that period. And uh, it's just Ray Davis being Ray Davis, writing about England in a parochial way. And although he's not my biggest influence, that whole idea of writing not about Route 66 or you know someplace down in Alabama which a lot of men of my age still like singing about but to write about where you live and what you know and what you are and what you do because it's it's magical enough isn't it so this is it Waterloo Sunset by the Kings <laughs>
Waterloo Station every Friday night. But I am so lazy, don't want to wonder. I stay at home at night. But I don't feel afraid. As long as I gaze on Waterloo Sunset. Marseignol, 10 songs, 10 years, and probably about as many homes by this time. Uh, I'd now moved from Harpenden. My dad had moved to, my dad and my mum had moved to a place in Putney near Chelsea Barracks where he'd got his last posting. And then we'd no sooner got settled in there than we were told we were being moved to Ballam, which I didn't even know what the what Ballam was. But while I was there, we got around to 1968. I got my first job as a paper boy because I was now nearly 15. And the first album I bought was The Who Sell Out, The Who's third album, which is their kind of Sergeant Peppers. It's very eclectic, very strange. But I'm not going to give you any of that because that would be too predictable. And I haven't given you any Beatles songs yet either. But one of the songs that I remember from that very early period, round about my 15th birthday, just after I wrote my own first songs, which I'd managed to write a couple of songs before I was 15, then they really started pouring out of me, was Step Inside Love by Scylla Black, who was... uh, I could go on about her for hours, actually. She was a terrific singer. I'm not going to play you the record, although that was fancy enough, I found this, the demo version, where she's just in Abbey Road, I think Studio 2, with Paul McCartney, and he's playing it on an acoustic, and she's running through the track to get the feel of it. They haven't figured out the middle eight yet, and George Martin's probably somewhere up in the control room. They're trying it out, basically. Uh, Her voice sounds beautiful. Scylla Black was... um, I know she had different voting habits to (laughs) some of the people I know, but she was a good old girl, as we say. And she could really pitch a song. And remember, she'd been about 18 or 19. She was the the cloakroom girl at the cavern. And she'd get up on the stage. She was encouraged by a friend to get up on the stage and belt out R&B standards, you know. And she did it. She had a lot of cheek and chawl, and she did it. She just happened to be there one day when Mr Epstein had come down the stairs. And um, I think she was the closest thing that came out of the cavern, apart from maybe the liver birds, that was part of that whole sweaty, brick-dripping, early beat scene that came not from London, but from the north, from the industrial north, because in many cases, the best pop doesn't come out of nice, chintzy little places like Chelsea or, or Bath or Brighton. It comes out of places like Middlesbrough, and and Colchester, uh, you know, where where there's a reason to want to think there must be something more to it than this. It will make you fight better or make you a better artist. And I really think that she came from the Scotty Road, the Scotland Road. And I've been in Liverpool and it's a I know they have had as bad luck as they've had good luck, but it's it, it's no place like it. It's it's really it's warm, you know. 
it's just really good and so this song kind of sums it up there's this um, Liverpool bird with Paul McCartney a Liverpool geezer and they're together in the studio there's, and there's George Martin there and it's a few years on after the discovery of all this and, and this happens so this is Step Inside Love the demo by Stella Black with Paul McCartney playing acoustic guitar Step inside love Let me find you a place Where the curves of the day Will be carried away By the smile on your face We are together now and forever Come my way Step inside love And stay Step inside love Turn down the light Coming out of the cold Rest your head on my shoulder And love me tonight I'll always be here If you should need me Night and day Step inside love And stay Step inside love Step inside love So Martin Newell, 10 tracks, 10 years. This is Led Zeppelin's Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You. Uh, there, there, there isn't really too much to say about this track. It's a superb example of, of, of what it is, really. It's, it's a heart-rending track. I swear I'll have this one at my funeral. It's called Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You. And for a uh, probably 17, 18-year-old boy that I was then, uh, it was the soundtrack to every thwarted, smashed-up, love <laughs> that an aspergic dysfunctional and frankly difficult teenage lad might come across and this was what I used to play all the time and um, like I said I'll have it at my funeral it's, it's four other young men already very very much experienced in their music uh, absolutely at the peak of their abilities I, I don't think it they got really good but I don't think they really got any better than this Led Zeppelin you know fantastic I think, listen, I've had to truncate it a bit. I've had to truncate one or two of the tracks because there just wasn't enough room. So I hope I've done it sensitively enough for you. All right? I'm gonna leave you 
come to our penultimate track of 1970 the the year the, the 60s kind of turned, turned sour and, and, and fled basically all I can tell you is that uh, I couldn't leave this track out it's called The Slow Train it's by a duo called Flanders and Swan a couple of quite educated boys I think Michael Flanders an amazing guy Donald Swan who played piano who was just so so clever just they do things as musicians and wordsmiths that aren't really done anymore brilliant songwriters but this is doubly poignant they're, they're associated with a kind of dry wit and sometimes even parlourish humour but this one is about Dr Beeching's destruction of the railways we had stations in every little town and, and village pretty much in the whole of the UK and if we'd still had those stations we could have taken a lot of that stuff on, that's on the roads off there and we could have, been, we could have built on that our railways were the envy of the world that was it and this is called the slow train and what else it contains is the sheer beauty of the different languages that became the lingua franca the english language that we speak today it's just got an amazing amount of names and they're kind of almost catalogued as one of them speaks and the other plays piano it's called the slow train i can't uh, do any more other than say 
you know, listen to it. If you don't know it and you like trains, you're in for a big treat. On the slow train. Millersdale for Tideswell. Kirby Muxlow. Malcop and Scholar Green. No more will I go to Blandford Forum and Morty Ho. On the slow train from Midsummer Norton and Mumby Road. No churns, no porter, no cat on a seat. At Chalton come Harney or Chester the Street. We won't be meeting again. On the slow train I'll travel no more From Littleton Bansy To Openshaw At Long Santon I'll stand well clear Of the doors no more No whitewashed pebbles No up and no down From Formby Four Crosses To Dunstable Town I won't be going again on the slow train. On the main line and the good siding, the grass grows high at Dog Dyke, Tumby Woodside, and Trouble House Halt. The sleepers sleep at Audlem and Ambergate. No passenger waits on Chittering Platform or Cheslin Hay. No one departs, no one arrives. From Selby to Goole, from St. Earth to St. Ives, they all passed out of our lives on the slow train. On the slow train. Hockermouth for Buttermere On the slow train Armley Moor Adam Pie Hill and Summercoats On the slow train Windmill End And finally, ladies and gentlemen uh, if you're not worn out by now, this is Martin Ewell with 10 tracks and 10 years, and I'm now 18, and it's 1971, one of the summers of my life, but also a summer where I sort of somewhat fell, fell foul of uh, <laughs> various youthful excesses, and it was the beginning of a slippery slope, but the first bit of it was really good. The track I most remember from this period... I had a real tough fight over it because it was a year of music and good times and also independence because finally I was out of any relatives' opinions or grasp or anything and I wasn't yet in a band because I was being a silly boy and I was idling but I became a kitchen porter in a country hotel uh, near Redbourne where I think Vinnie Jones lived and I, I, I lived in Harpenden in a house that was not quite a commune but not quite what we would call a civilised house and just a bunch of teenage boys, bikers and, and long hairs and early glam rockers, I suppose you would call me. And uh, the, the, the track of the year for me, among many, was Rod Stewart's Maggie May. It came up in the kitchen. There was a West Country chef there. You know, I was the kitchen poor, so we ran around. They, they, they gave me a pint of beer at lunchtime, which I hadn't had before. And... Um, and uh, this record came on it was Rod Stewart and I knew about Rod Stewart because I'd gone out and got a Rod Stewart hair case this was before he was famous because I saw this thing in the in, in one of the music papers I thought cool that looks great it makes a, a change from all the hippie curtains sort of thing so I got that and I came back from I don't know visiting my mum in Colchester and and I'd, I'd got her hairdresser to give me... I've taken a picture of the faces into into her hairdressers because a barb would never give me a cut like that. It looked like a skinhead girl's haircut. It was quite radical then. And said, give me one of those. And I got one. And I went back to to Harpin and got me wages from, from washing up that week. Went down the club in the West End, you know, 
necked a couple of blues, you know. And by that, by that, I mean they were they were stay awake pills because we didn't drink in those days. Just went down a club and stayed up all night, talking and yattering and verbally and chewing gum. And you know, this haircut was that was it. <laughs> but Rod Stewart, when we heard this thing in the restaurant and it came up, uh, well, we were in the kitchen at a busy lunchtime, and there's a West Country chef called Roger, and he said, "I'll tell you what, this is going to be number one." <laughs> And I listened to it and I thought, yeah, it's right. Now, it so happened, I've got a story about this, because years and years later, um, I can't explain to you why, but I spoke to Rod Stewart at some length on a telephone and I said to him, you know, because, you know, I'm talking to him as a fan to, uh, you know, an idol, even though I'm in the same trade, you know. And I said, did you, when you put that one to bed, when you heard that mix come up for the speakers finally and you'd said, right, that's the final mix, did you think that was going to be a massive hit, you know, both sides of Atlantic? And he said to me, no, not really. The record company didn't really like it. That I, I, um, he said we we had an eight song album and it wasn't quite long enough. We needed another song, and so we did this thing. And um, they they'd said it, apparently they told him that it that it didn't have a chorus. And I said the whole song is the chorus. And he he thought that was funny. I said, but there's one other thing about this. And he said what? And I said it's the only song I can think of that people play air mandolin to but to me it was the summer of 71 the summer of my freedom the summer of my new haircut I'd also had a tooth out so I had this villainous gap in my teeth it was about 18 months before I was joined joined a band myself it's an aeroplane going overhead there can you hear that it's great and <laughs> bloody hell yeah so that was it Rod Stewart Maggie May there's just something about it and I, I just hear I still hear new things in it every time I listen to it you listen to it in a pub jukebox if you're lucky enough that they turn it up you hear Ron Wood's bass part Ron Wood played bass on that and he's got this most amazing unique style he walks around he just you know those faces used to walk around on uh, on, on top of the pops like like they're walking around in a kitchen or something like that and he'd be walking around but he walks around on the base like that and you just it never it, it's a constantly changing thing and the drum part's really good I think that was Mickey Waller and the poor old mandolin player who was from Lindis Farm didn't even get a name check because Rod said um, on the sleeve it just said the the, the mandolin was played by the 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 mandolin player from Lindisfarne the name escapes me because at the time I guess he thought it was a throwaway track it made a B-side B actually at the time and he just thought that you know he wasn't expecting anything of it and if he'd known it was going to be a massive thing the, the poor guy in Lindisfarne would have got the credit never mind eh these things happen and uh, with that I have to say this is Martin Newell 10 tracks in 10 years and I'm in 1971 and I'm leaving you now and uh, so for me and Bill and and Cole 106.6 FM uh, it's, it's it's goodbye and we'll catch up in another dimension sometime okay and thank you for listening wake up Maggie I think I got something to say
Button is a Guppy production for Colne Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience. 